Well, good morning, Connection Point Church, and I want to say a special good morning to those who are at our neighborhood gatherings. That's right. So welcome uh, those of you at Inspiration and those of you at home. I'm excited about today. Now, this week, in fact, just yesterday, uh, I was out and I was with a guy who uh, doesn't go to this church, and one of the things he asked is, he said, so preacher, he said, you have your, your, your election message. Do you have your post-election message ready? And I said, you know what? It's such a good thing that instead of having to think through a special message for each thing that happens in the world, we're just going through Ecclesiastes. And today's message speaks as much to this time right now as any message that I can think of. And so I can just tell you I'm excited about this. Today's message is entitled, The Lessons of 2020. In fact, I'm going to change it from the lessons of 2020 to the gift of 2020. How many of y'all would say 2020 has been a gift to you this year? All right. There are some that are like, okay. And there are some that are like, eh, maybe not so much. What I want you to do is I want you in the chat, if you're watching this online, or maybe you can uh, just say it to the person next to you. I want you to to, uh, acknowledge one lesson that you have learned this year in 2020. One lesson that you have maybe learned, and it cannot be that you always need to have a supply of toilet paper stashed, okay? Everybody learned that lesson, I hope. But I hope that you have a more deeper lesson for this year. So go ahead in the chat, let us know what your lesson is. Now, here's why this is important. Because my fear, my fear as I've looked at a lot of the reaction, not just of those in the church and, and, or outside the church, but those in the church, I have seen some people who I'm not sure were learning the lessons of 2020. We're not finding the gift that God has given us in 2020. And, and the problem with that is, is that whether it's next year or whether it's in four years, what's going to happen is we are going to find ourselves going through the same struggles to the same way with the same lack of hope that we have always been. And so I just want to, this week, one of the things I've seen that I really want to strongly caution us is, if you have found more hope this week because of an election in a a man, or if you found less hope this week, if you are less hopeful this week, I want to challenge you on where you're placing your hope. One of the things that I hope we learn as a church, as Christ followers, is that whenever a man rises or falls from power, it should never, ever take hope from our lives or give hope to our lives. We have a hope that surpasses anything that happens on this earth. And so as I was watching some of the reactions among Christians this week, It really made me think, you know, we've got to get back to this idea of, listen, we are not Republicans and Democrats in this church. We are of another kingdom, and our king is on the throne today, yesterday, and tomorrow. And so as we're navigating this in the gift of 2020, I want us to really, if if you have been thrown by the waves of 2020, whether it's been good or bad or whether it's just been a roller coaster, you have a lesson to learn today of how to truly, truly dig in to the challenges of life. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 today. Go ahead and find that maybe on your Bible app. You can find that in your, uh, your, your paper Bible if you still have one. And I want to encourage you to take notes and to really learn these lessons because we're halfway through Ecclesiastes. 
Which, by the way, I have heard, had some of you have come up and said, hey, we're done with Ecclesiastes, right? And I just want to say, no, we are just getting started. We are halfway through this book, and it has been speaking every single week to us. And so quit asking me, first of all. We're going to go through this book, and we're going to enjoy it because God is speaking. And, uh, and, and, and one of the things that you're going to notice now is that we're halfway is there's a tone change. And before, it was really hammering on two ideas, the idea of living under the sun, that is, many of us live our lives as if there is no God. That's what under the sun means in Ecclesiastes. And when we do that, what we find is hevel or mist or fog, that life doesn't have anything real tangible, that everything, we might get a moment of joy, but it's like grabbing smoke. It's like hurting the wind. And so for the first half of the book, the, the preacher who is reminding us of Solomon who had everything, had every experience. Let's go through some of Solomon's experiences, okay? He had a thousand wives, okay? Now, or actually he had 300 wives and 700 concubines, okay? Now, just besides the logistics of that, think about the fact that this was a man who had every fantasy fulfilled in his life, okay? And when it came to uh, building buildings, he had the biggest buildings. He had national parks. He had governments that would send him birthday presents, okay? He had everything he, want, he could want. And what he found is living that life, nothing seemed to last. He found no meaning under the sun. So as we go into the second part of this book, you're going to begin to see he's now speaking from a different perspective. He's a little older now. In fact, the, the idea here is that this is more of the old man Solomon who has experienced and seen the futility of chasing all these different things. And he's now going to come back to us and he's going to, he's going to kind of give us some old man advice, some grandpa advice. This is kind of, I heard one pastor say, this is like sitting down and having coffee with your grandfather, okay? And your grandfather's uh, kind of at a hard time in life where he just shoots you straight now. And so that's where we're going to see. You know, by the way, as I was preparing this this week, I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a, a uh, preacher-like, a Solomon-like uh, moment with my kids. And so I know two of my kids, my oldest uh, sons, had kind of had a rough week. And so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I actually prepared a message. This is what I want to talk to my kids about. And I took them to Chili's because that's where you take kids when you want to get their attention. And as I went through my, my points that I'm giving to my kids, I quickly, quickly realized, oh, Oh, they came to Chili's because they wanted some chicken and waffles and some chips and salsa. They didn't want to hear from dad. And I quickly got this sense of two teenage boys saying, all right, old man, I know this. I know this old man. And so I want to warn you, there is going to be moments when we go through today's chapter and, and the rest of this book where you're going to say, okay, everybody knows this. Everybody already knows this. But if you will really dig in, there is some wisdom here that will really, really impact your life. Okay, we're going to start in 7-1, and just I'm going to do the, the first part of it. It says, a good name is better than fine perfume. A good name is better than precious ointment, is how some say it. And, and this is a word play. In Hebrew, these, the word name and ointment are actually two different, uh, they're, they're off by just one letter or one syllable. And so uh, he's making a word play here, but there's a lot of wisdom, and this is going to kind of be the entire chapter, the, the main idea. And what he's saying is that who you are on the inside matters more than who you are on the outside. Let me say that again. Who you are on the inside matters more than who you are on the outside. Now, here's what I know. 
You're going to hear this and you're going to say, okay, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. That's what you, and in the back of my mind, we're saying that's what you tell the ugly person, right? The ugly girl. You're like, oh, it matters who on the inside. And then none of us live that way. None of us actually get up and say, you know what? The best thing I can do today is to have a good, be good on the inside. See, perfume doesn't just mean perfume or ointment. It doesn't just mean what we put on our skin to make it look good. Ointment is anything on the outside. Some of us are, are trying to, to get a, a new car. Maybe we want to, to get a new haircut. Maybe it's, I'm going to get a bigger house. I'm going to get all these things on the outside. And that's what is really going to make an impact in my life. That is really what's going to turn heads, so to speak. It might be jewelry. It might be a, a nip and tuck here. It might be just working out. And we get these ideas of, you know what, how I'm going to change my life is I'm going to change something on the outside. And so old man Solomon with his probably pipe in hand or his mug of black coffee says, listen, let me tell you, it is your name that you need to be focused on. It is who you are, your character that really needs to be the focus of your life. Paul says it this way. He says, physical training has some value, but training in godliness is where our focus should be. Jesus says, what does it gain if you, what, it, what, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and you forfeit your soul? This is a theme throughout the Bible, but it's one that we rarely wake up and say, I'm going to live out. How many of us, when it gets to the, the new year, or maybe when you're going to a party or you're going somewhere where there's going to be people you haven't seen in a while, how many of you think to yourself, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my character ready for this, okay? This, this year, instead of working out and getting buff, I'm going, to, I'm going to be able to forgive better than I've ever been able. How many of y'all have ever set that as a, uh, that I'm going to be the most godly version of Joel I've ever been? How many of y'all have ever set that as a goal? How many of you ever walking into a, a party have said, you know what, I want head to turn, heads to turn when I walk in because I want them to say, wow, there's the most forgiving person I've ever seen. Man, they're just so gentle. Instead, what do we do? We put on our fancy clothes and we walk in and we say, hey, look at me. And we try to turn heads. And what we don't realize is by focusing on the outside that there are going to be some people that no matter how fancy you look, no matter what you drove up in, they're always going to feel drained when you walk in the room. There's some people that are going to roll their eyes. Here comes, if, if all you do is try to focus on the outside, the best thing you can do in your life is, is work on having a good name, to have godly character, yet few of us ever do this. Now, some of us, when we hear a verse like this, we try to use it as a sword. Oh, I know somebody that needs to work on their character. Let me go give them this verse. I want to tell you, this entire message is a mirror today. It is not a sword. This is entirely about what God is saying to you, where you need to change, where you need to make adjustments, okay? So the one thing I want us to start off with is this. If there is anything you want to do to change your life, to prepare yourself for the, the next year and for the challenges to come, Instead of thinking I could get a new this or I could work out and get better at this, I want to challenge you to train yourself in godliness. Say, you know what? There is a character flaw. There are things in my life, whether it's sinful habits, whether it's flaws that, that, I, that I run to and escape to when things get hard, that I think God is calling me in 2020 to learn these lessons. Now, in the second part of this verse, he says something that many of us will roll our eyes to as well. He says, and the day of death is better than the day of birth. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like the craziest thing to say. Who celebrates a death more than a birth? 
you know, one of the things that we know in life is that we are good at celebrating first. It's really easy to celebrate a first birthday and you put the cake and then you let them smash their face into all the icing and it's real cute. But then as we get to the end of someone's life, or it begins harder and harder sometimes to celebrate that life. In fact, I'll tell you, in our, in our house, we found it really easy to celebrate the first day of kindergarten. It was a little more challenging to celebrate the, the senior year, the first day of senior year. All of a sudden, it was like, oh my gosh, it's hard to celebrate the end. Here's what Solomon is telling us. If you live a wise life, if you live a life seeking godly wisdom, you will be able to celebrate the last days more than the first days because the last days are, are, are represent a fulfillment of a life well lived. Whereas the, the birth is simply potential. There's a lot to be experienced, but when you celebrate a good life, if you've ever been to a good funeral, and I've preached some good funerals to where that person lives such a godly life, such a life that's worth celebrating, I was excited just to learn a little about how they put their focus, and there was no, no sorrow it was all, man, this is what they did. This is how they trusted Jesus. And, and the testimony of people who spoke about, man, it, there's just something about being able to celebrate the last as well as the first. But this only comes when we say, you know what? I'm going to train my life in wisdom, in godliness. My, my hope for me is that um, when my day comes, that you look at, at me and, and, and you say, wow, Joel, he, he lived a life. I celebrate everything about it. I don't mourn this. In fact, if anything, he's home now. But man, what a life worth celebrating. That's where Solomon wants us to go. So he's going to give us some, some hard advice at first. But once you understand this, he's telling us to have a life of character and that that's going to make our, our final days just as worthy of celebrating as our first days. And then he says this in verse two, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone and the living should take this to heart. You read this and some of us say, what a bummer, this guy Solomon. Well, you know, I would not want to hang out. But listen to what he's telling us. There's so much wisdom that, that old man, grandpa Solomon is telling us. If we'll just listen to it. What he's saying to us is, listen, if you really want to know how to have the best future, if you want to know how to, to get the most out of today, you have to learn to live with death in mind. There's a Latin phrase that the, the Stoics would use called memento mori, which is remember to die. Remember every day that you have to die. There's a day coming for all of us. And if you live with this in mind, that you know what? This isn't frivolous. I can't waste this day. I need to make sure that I know someday this all ends and I want to be able to celebrate on that day. So I'm going to live with purpose and not waste it. You know, it's a lot easier to dig in to the places in your life where you need to work on character in the hard days rather than the good days. You know, it's a lot easier to, to, to look into you, the deepest parts of your soul at a funeral. But no one goes to a party and says, you know what, I just need to step back and see who I am. Most of us, we, we, we look for the party. We look for, I just want to have all good days. And so a year like 2020 throws us some curveballs, whether it's shutting down a business, whether it's kicking your kids or, or not kicking them, but moving them out of school and sending them home. And all of a sudden your life is, is rearranged. Maybe it's just that your routines get thrown off or you have something new to worry about. And, and instead of remembering 
that God has given every day as a gift. This is something that if I can dig into this pain into why am I so anxious? Why am I so worried? Why, why is this so difficult for me? If I'll dig into, man, I, I don't like exactly where I'm running to. I don't like exactly some of the ways I've responded to this. All of a sudden you'll find, you know what? There's more of a gift in, in the hard days than in the parties where you don't learn anything about you. You just kind of float by and you never dig into your faith. You never really, as Socrates say, it says, examine your life. Socrates says the, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I would agree with that. If, if it's all good times, if it's all parties, you'll never sit back and say, how do I have peace when the challenges come? So Solomon's giving us a gift here. He's giving us a nugget. He's saying, listen, you need to examine and live. And the wise people do this. They live knowing that this does not last forever. Now listen to what he says Next, he says, frustration, this is verse three, frustration is better than laughter. How many of us have ever said, man, I'm just so happy today. I wish I was a little more frustrated. He says, frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Sadness of the face, the heart is made glad. How many of us have ever thought that? The heart of the wise is in the house of this verse four. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Some say the house of mirth. Now listen to what he's saying here. All of us, if I give you a choice, would you rather be smiling or would you rather be sad right now? Every single one of us would choose, I would rather be smiling. If I said, would you rather be frustrated right now or laughing? I'd rather be laughing right now. But listen, this is what he's saying. He's saying, if you'll dig into the hard parts of your life, and if you'll understand the gift of being sad, the gift of those hard moments, because what happens is most of us get to a hard moment. We lose someone we love. We lose a business or, or our plans get not just kind of tweaked. Our plans get rearranged. And all of a sudden we find ourselves running in every direction except for the direction God has for us. In fact, one of the things that we know is that wise men don't numb the pain. Wise men dig in. Wise men, they pay attention to the pains in life. And rather trying to escape, rather than trying to, to numb it, they look and they reflect. You know, one of the, the things that we see all over right now in our society is we, we post our thoughts on social media, but there's very few of us journaling. There are very few of us looking inward to say, you know what? Every single time I seem to have my life tossed upside down, I run to pornography, I run to jealousy, I run to anger, I run to anxiety. Why am I escaping every time pain comes? Some, you know, drug addictions and alcoholism have risen. Even uh, during this pandemic, even uh, domestic violence, frustration and anger have risen during this pandemic. One of the things that God is giving us right now is to try to say, where are you trying to escape to? Where are you trying to numb the pain? You know, this, this year has been challenging in uh, several ways for me. Uh, I've been diagnosed twice with skin cancer this year, and I, I think I've got a, a third place as well. And one of the things I will tell you when I go in thinking I've got skin cancer is I don't go in hoping they're going to say, you know what, Joel, 
Let's not worry about it. Let's just numb. I'm going to give you something for the pain and we'll just ride this out. We're just going to, we're not, I don't want to suffer. I don't want you to suffer. We just want to, we're going to have, if somebody tells me, if a doctor tells me, I don't want you to suffer. I'm just going to numb the pain. I'm going to say, no, I want you to cut it out. I want, I want to go through whatever it's going to take because I want to, I want to go through this and come out without this cancer, without, if you only numb the pain, I can promise you death is the next step. Death awaits if all we do is try to numb the pain, if we always run to laughter, if we run instead of digging in. You see, lust, anger, anxiety, worry, all the things we run to when life seems overwhelming, those are escapes that sometimes you, you gotta get through the day, I understand that, but if you spend the season of pain of 2020 simply trying to escape instead of learning the lessons I promise you, you're going to come into 2021 thinking, well, it's got to get better, right? And you're going to find out you didn't learn anything and you are worse off, even if the circumstances change. So what do we do about this? How, where are we going to go from this? I'm going to give you three things and I'm just going to uh, go through uh, several verses coming up. The first thing I want you to do is this. I want you to absorb real accountability. Absorb real accountability. Now I use this word absorb for a reason. Anytime you, you watch a boxing match or an MMA fight, there will always be two guys that are taking punishment. And, and the commentator, the announcer will at one point say, man, he is absorbing a lot of punishment. In other words, what he's saying is he's able to withstand, he's able to, to not fall down, he's able to, with, to absorb it, to withstand this punishment. So Solomon in, chapter, or in verse 5 says this, it is better to Heed the rebuke. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. Listen, if you want to learn the lessons, if you want to increase in godliness this year and to go into next year ready for whatever God has, you need to realize that, that the way to get there is accountability. We would call it relationship over religion. That is, you're going to have to get real. You know, one of the things that, that he's saying here is that every single person needs to, to have a friend or two that can say, hey, I think you're on fire and I think you started the fire. You see, the song of fool is this. Oh, don't worry about, oh, that person, don't listen to them, they're dumb anyway. Oh, they said that, but that's not true. Oh, you're, don't worry about it. Let's just forget about them and let's just have fun. And they'll lead you to laughter every time. Now, there's a time for that, but when you really, really are struggling, especially when it's something that you cause, where God says, hey, I, wanna, I want you to go through this pain because what I want is for you to see that this needs to be cut off, that this need, is an opportunity for you to change. He'll bring some people into your life. And these people are, are, are true friends, even though they're not gonna tell you what you wanna hear. These are the people that will say, hey, you're on fire. Or these are the people that you can go to and say, hey, I think my life is on fire. And these people will love you and walk with you, but they'll say, Leah, we gotta get real. You know what? We can't just pretend that this is just happening to you. Let's, let's be real. You've made some decisions here. Or you're going down a track that's, that, that's, that's adding to this. You know, one of the things, if you want to see your life change, you have to understand, if you want a good name, you've got to have some friends that are going to be able to, to give you some accountability, and you're going to have to absorb it. And we are notoriously hard at this, but I want you to think about this. How many marriages would be saved if somebody would simply say, you know what, I think your marriage is on fire. Or if somebody would raise their hand, I think my marriage is on fire and be willing to admit, you know what, I, I, I don't exactly know how to fix this and go to a godly friend. 
How much change could happen if we would just do that? You know what? How much joy could you be having right now in the midst of all the chaos of this world if you would have spent the last few um, years running to Christ and, and every single time that, that your life was flipped upside down and you got into 2020 and you're like, you know what? I knew this was going to be like this, but I've run to Christ. He's given me a peace that, that, uh, trans, that goes over all that, um, understanding, that surpasses all understanding. He's given me a joy in the midst of this chaos. So here's what I want you to think. Most of us, we resort to whataboutisms. Somebody confronts us and what do we say? Hey, well, what about you? That's what I would say if John Williams right now said, Joel, I don't know about this. What about you, John? Hey, okay. That's what I just do, okay? I, I resort to what about. Or if it's not turning it back on the person, what do I say? I would say, yeah, well, what about them? At least I'm better than them, right? And I would try to deflect it as best I can. Whereas what I need to do is to realize, you know what? When I am in Christ, he has forgiven me. He has made me clean. I can, I can say, you know what? There are areas of my life that I need to work on. So I'm gonna take this feedback. I'm gonna absorb it and I'm going to seek to make godly change. And I'm gonna ask that friend, hey, will you walk with me? Will you help me? So here's the two challenges from this, is that if you absorb real accountability, the first thing I want you to ask is, where are you numbing the pain? Where are you trying to escape and run could be that you need to, to find someone, you need to confess and run to Jesus and just say, hey, my life is on fire and I'm not sure I know how to fix it. You know, if there's a lot of drama in my life and I think I might be the cause of it, it seems to follow me everywhere I go. Can you, can you speak into this? But the second thing I want to ask us is this, who are you watching burn? Who do you know right now that they're causing so much strife in their own life? And you don't want to be the one that upsets the apple cart. So you're going to watch them burn. You're going to watch them pursue perfume and ointment to try to fix their problem than to say, you know what? What you need is a good name. This week, I want to challenge you. Reflect a little on your life. What are the areas you need help with? And you need to find either a godly person who's going to run to scripture, say it with scripture, not their opinion. Maybe you need to come to me or a pastor or a member of your connect group, your connect group leader. Maybe you need to find someone godly and say, I need you to walk with me. Second thing I want you to do is in verse 10, okay? I want you to ask, what is God teaching me right now? What is God teaching me? In this season of struggle, what is God teaching me? Verse 10 says this, do not say, where were the old days better? Than, why were the old days better than these? For it, it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. It is an advantage of those who see the sun. It is an advantage of those who see the sun. So when we're looking at God, we're looking for wisdom, for godly wisdom. And he says, you know what? Wisdom is like an inheritance. It, it is security if you use it. And so what he's saying is, listen, even in the worst days, you have this wisdom. You can learn some lessons. So never, we never want to be people that say, man, why, why can't we be in the good old days? Instead, we want to be people who say, you know what? God has given me a gift right now of a hard season. He's given me a gift right now that's identifying some of my flaws. So I want to make sure going forward, I learn this. Here's my fear. There are some of us right now who are saying, remember the good old days of January. <laughs> remember the good old days uh, of, of 2019 or 20 some, or you know, and, and we're looking backwards. And what we're hoping is that miraculously circumstances are going to fix themselves in 2021. Almost everyone I've talked to is hopeful for 2021. But here's the sad thing. If you are the same person in 2021 that you are in 2020, you are going to have the same struggles. I promise you they'll pop up differently. 
Instead of saying, you know what, I hope 2021 is better than 2020. What if you said, you know what, when things got hard in 2020, I fell off the wagon. I started running to to lust and pornography or jealousy or alcohol. I started running to these things, but I'm going to be prepared for the hard seasons in 2021. And I'm going to make sure I have somebody there with me that's going to help me run to Jesus. Maybe you say, you know what? I've got so much drama in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to right now dig in and I'm going to ask some good godly friends who will just be honest. Hey, why do you think this is drama? This is a dangerous question. I bet no one really asked this because we don't want to know this sometimes. Why do you think there's so much drama around me? Ask that dig in and be ready to absorb it. But I promise you, if you'll dig into right now, you'll prepare your way for a better season. The last thing is this. We're going to praise God for the hard days. You're going to praise God for the hard days. He says this in verse 14. When the times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. You don't know what's going to happen to you, but listen to this. God made the good days and the bad days. I heard a preacher say it like this. Every day, 400,000 planes take off and land safely. And we only shake our fist the one or two times a year that a plane falls out of the sky. Instead, we need to understand every single day, Jesus is, is protecting us, giving us gifts every single day. And your hardest day may be opening up your best day ahead. We have got to understand, we praise God for the good days and the bad because we have a savior that we not only are prepared for tomorrow, we're prepared for the end of our life. It's gonna be better than the first day. And we're even prepared for our afterlife because we have a savior that died on a cross and rose again. We have hope in every situation. Therefore, if you right now feel as if you've been riding a roller coaster, I wanna encourage you. You don't have to ride this roller coaster anymore. You can get off and you can simply say, God is teaching me some lessons here that are gonna change my life in the future. And I'm gonna trust on his righteousness, not on me achieving on the outside. And I'm gonna love the inside. I'm going to have so much joy and peace coming forward. You know what? I hope you'll join us next week at a neighborhood gathering or, or maybe just online as we continue this, because I'm telling you the best is yet to come. Let me give us a, a verse to close out with. This is from Romans 8, 18. Paul says this, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory about to be revealed to us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this church. I thank you so much for what you are doing in the church. But Lord, for every single one of us who has gone through 2020 or is going through a season right now in which we just wish we could move forward and just get out of, maybe we're numbing the pain by running to, to sinful habits or to addictions. Lord, I pray you will open our eyes. Maybe we've put too much hope and, and we're feeling better today because of an election of a man. Or we're feeling worse today because, or less hopeful today because of an election of a man. Lord, I pray you'll open us our, our eyes. Maybe as Christ followers, we have put our faith in the wrong man. So Lord, I pray that this week will be a new phase for us. One in which we put our eyes to you. And even in the hard days, we dig in. Lord, I pray for the hard conversations that are going to happen this week as people are in, in honesty, confront those that are, are on fire and say, hey, let me help you. Let me walk with you. I pray for those that are going to confess, hey, I've been struggling with this sin. It's embarrassing, but I don't know how to get out of it. Lord, I pray that we'll be ready as a church 
and as Christ followers to walk with people that maybe we didn't think we'd ever have anything in common with, but we're ready to walk with them because Jesus is our King and Lord. Lord, I pray that you will bring joy in the future because the best is yet to come. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.